Welcome everyone for another edition of 10 Things Friday, where we talk to you about 10 things that you need to know in the world of retail technology and the future. And we are absolutely thrilled and honoured today to have Pete Williams, uh, founder of Medipass, co-founder of Locales, although you'd rather just be referred to as the founder of Medipass, I think, and just all-round good guy, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. I don't know. There's just so many words I can use here. But why don't you, before we kick off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Pete, and uh, um, and then we'll get into the things. Yeah, I did a number of years in corporate work through actually alma mater KPMG, and then uh, did banking and left that world to do startup and formed Locals, which does last mile services essentially tracking packages, deliveries, and all that. Did that for a number of years and then formed another startup called Medipass, which essentially gets healthcare providers paid. Brilliant. Um, you didn't talk about how you know awesome you are, but that's okay. We'll get into that um, <laughs> later on. Um, all right, Dim, do you want to kick us off? Thing number one, what do you got for us? I shall uh, start with number one. Yeah, well, uh, good, good to uh, have you here, uh, Pete. Uh, um, entrepreneur uh, extraordinaire. So, um, well, um, I'll start with a usual um, uh, Friday, the retail beat. Uh, I'll um, um, on a, on a uh, more kind of uh, Victorian, uh, Melbourneian note. I mean, there's no surprise to anyone that uh, has been a, a, a dive in, in traffic, and I think in my short walk this morning, you can definitely uh, see a lot less. People out there, I think it's slowly sinking. Yeah, uh, a bit slower uh, this time uh, around. It's I slowly think the, sinking. Uh, but what I want to spend retail bit today on is is micro farm. So back in um, probably about a year ago, uh, almost a year ago to, to date or thereabouts, you know, when travel used to be a thing, mm. uh, I visited a, a micro farm in uh, downtown Manhattan. So this is a, a, a basement off 5th and 6th, really down in Soho, for those that uh, uh, have been in that part of the world, where they had a hydroponic farm that produced herbs. And the herbs, uh, those, those herbs uh, were distributed to chefs in the local area, mm. freshly picked. So, so the restaurants in, the, in, in Lower Manhattan will order and freshly picked hydroponic uh, uh, um, uh, plants, small little leaves of some very, mm. um, will, will uh, be uh, dispatched into small uh, uh, containers, recyclable containers, will be dispatched to the local chefs to cook that night. So I thought that was pretty good. I, I, was, I, I had the chance to, uh, to actually go inside the farm and, and see a bit of that. Um, and um, last week, or, or the last couple of weeks, that micro farm, that hydroponic micro farm, made it into one of the Whole Foods stores. The Whole Foods opened a new store in, I don't know, 55th and something in Manhattan. And now they have their own little hydroponic thing. So customers go in and they can pick the flavor for the um, fresh flavor for the uh, evening meal. Served uh, up by served up by Sally served up by Sally the salad making robot. Or? Yes. <laughs> so, no. Now th this is not qu quite new in, in that mm. some of this Marks and Spencer did in a couple of London stores maybe about six months ago, but it's not hydroponic 
So this is what Marks and Spencer has grows somewhere else and then kind of gets moved in there and sort of, you know, for, for the last few days. Uh, what are we talking about here? It's a full hydroponic, as I understand it, because I didn't get a chance to see it, you know. <laughs> I just run across a farm wall here based out of Melbourne. Uh, I know the founder pretty well, Geert Hendricks. It is a completely closed system for doing micro greens and it's a hydroponics. And in the very bottom of it, they have an aquarium with fish. Yeah. They, cycle oh, yeah. The, they feed the fish, nice. cycle the water through. Yeah. Filtrate. Fertilizes yeah, yeah. everything. Uh, also give a shout out, uh, farmwall.com.au. Farmwall, I'm writing this yes, down. Yes, that's right. Uh, they're going for B Corporation. So it's a socially responsible corporation. Maybe a great addition to have on another one of these 10 Things Friday. See, you've added yeah. value yeah. already, Pete. Brilliant. Farmworld.com. There you go. Okay. .com.au. Right. I'll get that right. I'll put They're the links in great the, work, in the show notes. And some stuff with Miravac and Westpac to try and bring microagriculture into uh, higher-end restaurants, but now looking at other options for growing that out in unused spaces like car parks through the city. Yeah. Shopping centers comes to me, it comes to mind. I mean, you never know what they're going to do with those things. Eh? Um, <laughs> Plenty of space. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, uh, uh, th thanks, Peter. A similar one has been operating south of Sydney uh, uh, for some time now. They, um, I'm trying to see, to, to remember, I think is it Barramundi? There's a high value fish that feeds uh, underneath and, and the fish uh, cycle uh, feeds the plant. So it's, um, it's, a great, uh, it's a great outcome. So um, that was micro farms and uh, now they made it into, into, the grocery, into the grocery aisle. So that was number one. Number one. Brilliant. Okay, uh, I'll go number two. So face masks now mandatory in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, given a, um, uh, an outbreak in this part of the world. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but the whole face ID thing really um, becomes quite annoying. Now, the thing I've got is you can actually set up an alternate uh, appearance in face ID and you can train the... And what you have to do is you have to sort of cover, use half a mask, if I get this right, and then when you rotate your head, you gotta you gotta sort of do this, and you can actually create a second appearance that will work, sort of work, uh, when with Face ID uh, in in your iPhone. So, look, it's a bit glitchy at best, fair to say. Uh, and that Face ID as a feature, given masks, and we've talked about masks on this show before, becoming you know what's likely to be quite ubiquitous. Um, it, 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 you wonder around the um, long-term viability of face ID as an um, authentication mechanism and whether we'll be using, you know, touch ID or, or whatever, or retina scans or what the right way forward will be. But uh, uh, I just thought that might be something useful. There's actually a link. I'll put it in the show notes around how you might set up your iPhone for an alternate mask-wearing face. So that was my, wow. my number two. Nice. Uh, as you, you can see in the background, uh, uh, I have my own mask from the, uh, the, <laughs> from the Venetian carnival. Uh, and uh, it's just, this is handmade stuff. And uh, I, I will also put a picture of me uh, next time with me behind the mask. 
Oh I don't think this you don't have to do this, Tim. <laughs> you don't have to do that. I don't think this mask quite qualifies for what the uh, Victorian government has in mind in terms of wearing outside, but uh, there's my mask. Now, okay, number three. Uh, like another digger NBN. It's not. <laughs> maybe it is. It doesn't matter. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm just going to uh, kind of state a couple of things. Uh, so... If, this came around with uh, when I um, over the week combined two or three thing, two or three project examples I have in mind, and and and, and it might uh, relate a little bit to this. So I have come. I've got two projects, maybe three, where um, you know people actually move physical discs from one location to another because there is very very large data. And it's not practical to move them over the network. And you go, Demetrius, you mad? What are you talking about? So let me tell you. <laughs> One is uh, 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 pathology images, diagnostic images, so X-rays and, and the like. Where there's a big project, I won't get to the details, but the consolidation, the centralization of those images into a common database actually required that hard disks get posted from one place to the other. Uh, you know, and they're not relying on Australia Post clearly for that. So it's the project is progressing reasonably well. Um, so that's one example. The second example is video footage, which again, it wasn't practical to move over the network. And actually, a courier takes a, a USB disk, takes it to the data center, and then the data center uploads it so that's available. Um, two, two examples of those. And I'm scratching my head. I'm going 2020, you know, like, really? Isn't it mm. something, something for very, very, very large kind of data sets? And the, the short answer is that is no. Mm. Uh, or, or I'm missing it and I'm not technically, I'm not close to the technicalities of this. Then, then I did a bit of sort of thinking about it. So here's a reference point, right? So a 4K, like a high definition, high resolution, the highest resolution 4K signal um, takes 84 megabytes a minute. In, in, in uh, non-compressed, I think it's, uh, without getting too technical, which effectively means that it's a gigabyte for 12 minutes. Well, you, you can see how, you know, three of those would just clog up your average NBN uh, uh, link mm. straight away. You know, you put two of those, you put two of those cameras at home and you're mm. trying to stream them anywhere. It doesn't matter where. They, they immediately, you know, we're talking... Um, uh, 12 minutes per gigabyte, you are done. Well, wow, um, you, you have to, you just have to live in my house with three boys between nine and 11 downloading Fortnite patches. Um, and it's just cactus. They're all going at once and it's, yeah. they are big files and it's just. Yeah, this is the thing, right? 20 megabps is the rate. That's the rate of a 4K signal. So, you know, when, when uh, NBN, and again, I mean, this sounds like a dick, but I'm just taking the facts now. You know, when NBN goes, oh, no, no, most Australians will be already with 50 Mbps. Uh, well, just, just to be clear here, what we're talking about here, you know, they, 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 it won't even cope for, the, uh, for a 4K signal. Uh, to, to, to deliver a 4K signal, you got Demetrius, haven't we got bigger problems to solve in this world than a 4K signal across network bandwidth? Well, maybe we do, but I thought I'll, I'll follow up from last week. Um, and, and just put some facts 
in front of everyone in the context of some very practical examples where just, you know, we just, that doesn't work. Um, now, Pete might have a view on, on over Demetrius. There's some other tech out there that you have. <laughs> well, you know, maybe the millimeter wave services, which is 5G and the potential oh, to deliver uh, gigabit service with no fixed wiring that in time is just going to eclipse what we've currently deployed out as our MBN infrastructure. So I'd expect within five years, most people aren't even going to have stationary yeah. uh, hardwired services and just do this millimeter wave. Now the millimeter wave may mean that you have to install a little antenna on the outside of your house, but if you can get gigabit there and it's on instantly, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. What, no, what, exactly. Have, what have you got, Pete? Are you on the 5G early Optus uh, trials or what no, are you? No, I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on LZ. Uh, I'm using the SE phone here. I still There's so much more convenient for uh, things like, you know, Apple Pay. I yeah. love that punching on it rather than yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Well, yeah. even even more so with the mask issue. Okay, there you go. Bring on 5G. Yep, we agree. We agree. Bring it on. Just if you so follow was, Jim's uh, logic, just scrap yeah, the NBN. Uh, give up now. Move on. Give up. Give up. Tesla, Tesla 5G. <laughs> low, low, low Earth orbit satellites. That's it. Yeah, well, they're, they're claiming pretty low latency on it. And uh, it'll be really exciting to see how that goes and if that's true. You know, because that'll mean, can it be used for things like what we're doing right now as a video conference? And that, that's, right. that's probably going to be one of the biggest use cases is to say, hey, if it's too high latency, can we carry on a conversation in a video conference? Yeah, yeah, no, very Sean? true. Okay, uh, thanks, Tim. Uh, number four, uh, I'm going to talk again about COVID safe contact tracing. Look, I know, Pete, that you're a massive fan of contact tracing and, and you're all over this. So, um, uh, I, there was an interesting article, and you, it was in uh, Nine News, I think, that said um, uh, that the app costs somewhere, and it's hard to pin down, but it, it spent $64 million on COVID advertising, much of it spent on the app. Now, spending $60 million on an app, how much do you reckon you could do it for, Pete? Like... The, <laughs> Well, it's it's based based on an open source standard, but well, it's no, no, no. It, isn't it copied from like the Singapore well, one? I copy paste. I like actually inspired by the Singaporean one. But and if you're doing one today, you wouldn't roll your own, which is no. essentially what they've done. You would use the capabilities the of Google, Apple. the Gapple, the I Gapple. Think the biggest question right? on that is you can only do that if there is an opt-in for doing any personally identifiable information, like your email and your mobile number. And that's not what the COVID safe app has. And you can see even here on mine, I'll pull it up and we go to try and get this here. They've, um, they've actually only recently made it available for uh, out of Australia market stores. So up until three weeks ago, it was only available for people that were fully on the Australia stores. Uh, and if you tried to access this using any of the other stores, it wasn't available. Now that right. may not seem like a lot, but you've got about two and a half million people here that we know that have smartphones that aren't based in the Australia Google Play or the Apple App Store. So it's significant. It's significant. And when you're trying to get to 40%, I mean, it's a network effect, right? It only works if everyone um, or 40% is the number 
Um, but the other couple of stats that I thought were, again, so what the, the, the data's a little bit stale now, but in Victoria, 4,622 cases, and this is a few days ago, we've had more than that now, since the app was launched. Uh, 325 um, were accessed, uh, the data was accessed from COVIDSafe, but it resulted in zero traced um, using, the, uh, using the app. Um, difficult to, to do it right if you're trying to cover all the devices that people are using, uh, more so on the iOS ecosystem. And that's because the way Bluetooth is uh, works. So if you have the app in the background or the screen is locked, if you have an iPhone 8 or earlier than that, which a number of people do, it's not reliable. And we know this because we rolled out some of the first Bluetooth iBeacon services in Australia and the UK. It just, you need to have it running in the foreground and with the screen unlocked in order to have that reliability aspect. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've had John Gardner on. Track in Singapore. What was that, Tim? Yeah, we got the inside track from Singapore. We, we've yeah. got a, a teardown version of the software. So <laughs> anyone, anyone wants a copy, John will provide one. <laughs> we build it using the standard libraries from Apple and Google. Yeah. And it'll be like 10 times more reliable. Do you think you would have a, um, so John Gardner, who's been on this show, talked about a hardware token. So effectively, I don't know, call it like a collar or a, <laughs> um, a wrist uh, that um, you would provide. I actually thought it was quite a neat idea. So for the elderly and the, the less tech savvy, they just had an option where they could get like a, just a physical token uh, that um, would, uh, rather than trying to use the phone, uh, mm. that seems to be a, a successful, because you're looking at the edges, right? It's all right for the tech savvy, you know, iPhone users as one demographic, but there's this long tail of elderly people that struggle with tech at the best of times uh, that it's just not going to work at all. So uh, uh, Singapore does have a, has gone the hardware token route, which is uh, another way to solve for it. But it looks like manual contact tracing is kind of the... Seems to, seems to be the way, seems yeah. that, that works effectively for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like Don oh, no, Dibs back. Okay, so that was my number four. Then uh, really the thing that you need to know is that we should all get into the contact tracing software development business uh, because there's lots of money to be made from the government. Um, <laughs> Very good. Um, I did need to be quiet about this and only kind of talk about this hush hushing to a few people, otherwise everybody will get onto that. Or maybe they are. <laughs> That's right. I, I got confused. Um, I get easily confused. Next one. Well, um, a couple of things. So this week, um, for those of us that uh, indulge a little bit in, in playing and used to play sport and, and watching sport, it was going to be the start of the Olympic Games. Now, clearly the Olympic Games are not going to happen this year. They're going to happen uh, next year. But that gave me a, a, an opportunity to go and um, have a bit of a look at what Japan is doing. Uh, you know, next day, you know, what, what is Japan looking at to do in, in the context of, of this, you know, and, and Japan is, uh, generally speaking, you know, is considered as a, as a conservative kind of society where things change probably somewhat uh, at a slower pace than, than, than others. So here's, here's a couple of um, uh, things out of uh, what the uh, Japan government 
and Japanese society are trying to do. They started talking about society 5.0. And, and for them, uh, um, uh, that has a couple of things. One is a, a bit like us, but, and here's a little bit, I'll contrast again. It sounds like I'm whinging again, but I'm not. So here's, here's what they're doing, right? So they're doing a, a government ID, like, like we tried to do, except that ours didn't go anywhere and probably won't go anywhere. Well, guess what? The Japanese people put it out there in very quickly, and they said, if you want the 100,000 yen, that was your COVID support thing, a bit like the 750 that we had here, you have to use the government ID. Well, 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 guess what? Uh, guess what? They, they've got 45% within days of take-up. Incentive, yeah. Yeah? Now, you go, well, Dimitri, that's kind of like a dictatorship thing. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's, it's how you, you cleverly... Uh, change management. Change management. That's right. This is how cleverly you get to your citizens and go, actually, you know what? Here's something for you. Here's something from me. Their aim is to have seventy. Their aim is to have a, a ridiculous amount of uh, transactions through their government ID in the not too distant future. Mm. So you know, that practical, right? Well, it works here. Well, there's both MyGov, which is one form of ID, and also MyGov ID, which yeah. is a separate one. Can't use the two at the same time, but. That is being rolled out now for, <laughs> and there's also Prada. So if you're in the healthcare industry, you also have yep, Prada, that's right. the third uh, capability of identifying with the government electronically. But you now have to use it if you're doing any accounting entries for the ATO here, right? So I, I was enrolled through uh, MediPass pretty recently. We had to have our exec team go through and do that which is confusing because we already had MyGov and we said, no, we've already got it. And I said, ah, oh, there's a new one called MyGov ID, but it's different. Mm, <laughs> it's right. same, same info that's asked for to verify you. Tax file number, all that stuff. But mm. and you think they could name it differently if they wanted it to be different. Maybe there is just, it's just going to be MyGov ID and there's some broader, Maybe. smarter plan. Um, oh, there will be another one next year. <laughs> uh, I mean... <laughs> Sorry, that sounds cynical again. But what they, will they, that be? MyGov ID underscore ID. Let's go for the positive. So, so, here's, so, that, there's one. so here, here's another one, right? Here's another one. If you use your smartphone app, you get tax back. If you do a purchase with your smartphone, you get a little bit of tax back. There's another clever one. It doesn't mm. take that much. No. No, really. Yeah. Really. <laughs> really doesn't you know you could have returned we could have returned some of the tax back and go you know again use use your um use your smartphone now i mean you go demetrius well but we're already doing that it's just an example it's not a you know i'm not suggesting that you know we, we should all kind of be encouraged i think smartphone usage is but you know uh, the the qr code conversation that we often have uh, between ourselves you know, there's another way. Okay, you're giving some tax back to, to, to the citizens that they gave you in the first place. Use it, use it smartly to deliver something that, that in, in Japan, and then they're the sort of practical things, you know, that Japan gets into uh, what they call society uh, 5.0. Now, I should also mention here that um, they're doing a version of the, the NBN uh, themselves, <laughs> but... <laughs> 
they're rolling out five service or wireless. <laughs> uh, well, this is interesting. Well, interesting, interesting it is here. So they're rolling out fiber at the cost of a half a, uh, a billion. That's their plan. The plan is to roll out fiber everywhere uh, at uh, uh, half a billion our, our dollars. It's trillion, uh, uh, half a trillion uh, yen, I think. So what, what did it roll? What was the rollout cost to New Zealand? So they've got fiber to the premises in gigabit, right? What was the? I do not know that. Also, it's a good question. We should go and find out. Do you know, Pete? No, I don't. Mm. Oh well, it's, it's, right. like we'll, put a, we'll find out. We'll put it in the. Uh, uh, look, uh, show we should notes. put it down. It's a good question. I think we don't often look at New Zealand as an example because they always do better than us, and it's such a <laughs> <laughs> it's a depressing it's comparison. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, so we. We try to avoid that conversation as best as we can, you know, like, yeah. honestly. Um, uh, but we would definitely look at that. And uh, um, um, so that was my, um, my little um, Japan uh, so, sojourn as, as an acknowledgement to the Olympics that are going to happen in 12 months from now, but uh, also as a, a, a bit of venture into, well, you know, there's, other, some, there's some smart governments out there that are taking the opportunity to actually really make land a difference, you know? Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that was okay, number five. All right. Um, well, I might, it, Pete, is it, is there something that caught your eye this week in terms yeah. of, uh, uh, we are setting up services in, uh, Great Britain right now, which is terrific. And it's still, and is likely to be part of GDPR, which is the privacy regulation for Europe. And the big change that happened last week is that the EU Privacy Commission ruled something called Privacy, privacy Shield invalid. So if you're not familiar, if, uh, if you operate services outside of the EU, you have to have in place a privacy program. Mm. New Zealand, our friends over there, have got one that's compliant. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> of course, course they do. We're working on it. Of course they do. We're working on it. But if you use any services based out of the U.S., that was always a question, right? And there was a program in the past called Privacy Shield that every company could go through. And if you met the basic requirements for Privacy Shield, you were considered compliant for GDPR. Well, it's been ruled insufficient. And what that means is all these companies delivering services out of the U.S. need to go through and figure out a new program and level of attestation. Otherwise, legally, you can't move data from Europe over to the U.S. And that's a problem, right? Because you have Microsoft Azure, AWS, mm, yeah, most services, actually. And they're going to have some level of European data on it. So we've been watching this pretty closely now and asking, you know, what what are, what are the options for us? Because we use a number of suppliers that are based out of the US and I would say about 50% of them have come back with a program to meet compliance and the other half don't have one yet. And so in setting up our services there, we're, we're, we're looking around now saying, what are we going to do? Who are we going to use? Wow. Wow. That's significant. Uh, and there'd be a, yeah, there's a cost in, in, um, it's a good one for the lawyers in the compliance industry as well, right? <laughs> if you're in insurance and legal services, happy days. A great time for you to be on. Whoa, you just set up a um, privacy shield RS 
Uh, but you know what though, we, we have like that here in Australia, a really easy framework that we could use. We've got some great Australian companies setting up shop over in Europe. Yeah. We have to come out with custom programs. It would be amazing to have a program that we can go through that would be low cost, allow us entry in there without us having to engage very expensive lawyers. lawyers. Yeah, it, it does. And the, you know, John's made a comment on the um, chat around the walled garden, the EU walled garden incoming. Uh, we, we're seeing it. And, and maybe that's a, a segue into my favorite topic or one of my favorite topics, which is, which is TikTok. Um, so TikTok, <laughs> number four. <laughs> well, it, it links to this walled garden. So you, you kind of had the great Chinese firewall and now the US are most likely going to, they're going to say, well, we're not. And then India have said, well, we are going to not have these 50 odd apps from, from China. And US is going to say, well, we're not going to allow TikTok to be spying on us. So we, we're seeing this kind of, you know, the, the walls are going up around the internet, which was, you know, originally designed to be, uh, it's certainly the US version is that the, it's, the, it's a free everything, right? You got access to everything, but the wall gardens are, are definitely happening. Now, I love the US answer to this. So they're saying, well, hang on, TikTok, what was it? Uh, 500 million projected revenue from US alone and a valuation of 75 billion. They've gone well, and Sequoia Capital and General Atlantic, they're making a bid for TikTok. And uh, so it's the great West US version. If <laughs> there's money there, let's solve the problem by buying it. <laughs> Capitalism at its best. And, uh, um, and so there's offers on the table to, to buy TikTok to get around this issue that uh, everyone's shutting, shutting it down because of the Chinese government uh, influence. Well, it's like, I'll, I'll admit, like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there are some, <laughs> I'll give you an example. So there's a new version of iOS that's in beta. And one of the things that's been introduced is a feature to show you every application that's looking at the pasteboard. So the pasteboard is basically every time that you copy text or data from one application and you put it into another, it's got this virtual pasteboard. And every time an app accesses it, you get a little notification. And what was discovered is that every three characters that you type in to paste into it, TikTok was scraping it and sending <laughs> it off to their servers. Now, like some of that could be chalked up to user experience. Maybe they're making for something like pasting in a photo that much better and faster. Or the conspiracy theorists are like, well, they're just collecting essentially everything that you've ever copied. And if you're like me, you've got a MacBook. And if your MacBook is connected to your phone, everything that you copy on your Mac is also copied over to this common pasteboard. So now you've got a way to, every time that you're copying stuff, that data was essentially being scraped and sent off to TikTok servers. Now, like, I don't know <laughs> if I'm that comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it does turn out that uh, certainly the younger demographic are comfortable with it. TikTok is a machine. And, uh, you know, the stats are that 200% increased in 2020. It was the most downloaded app in the world in Q1. Uh, so this whole idea of me creating a silly video 
uh, and this user supplied content uh, and TikTok making it easy for you to create that video. And then that is a self-perpetuating uh, because then, you know, the algorithms will show me videos I like. And um, uh, so it is just... You haven't just, done any of the uh, TikTok dance moves, have you? Uh, well, no, but I'm looking at Dim's mask thinking that maybe he has. But anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so there you go. That's number... What are we up to? So that's seven. TikTok. TikTok. Um, the, the, the plot continues. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can go down the conspiracy path with this, can you? I mean, I'll just reserve. I, 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 the, the next one, um, um, it's a very quick one. Um, um, a reflection of how corporates are moving and um, Siemens, the German uh, Uber company uh, that uh, produces anything from medicine, scanning things to you know, televisions and I don't know, cars probably, God knows what, what else, and, and home appliances and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, they decide to let their employees work from wherever uh, if they want for two to three days a week, wherever, permanently. COVID notwithstanding, permanently. Um, so Twitter's uh, done the same, haven't they? Yeah. Twitter is now fully remote. Yes. I'm bringing I'm bringing Zimmons up. You're right. Twitter, you can imagine in the in the world of you know the the type of people that work for Twitter. You know they kind of all already been kind of doing that. You know here we're talking about you know Zimmons. You know it's a 150 year old company that you know used to produce coffee machines. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, it's a, you know robots robots lots of robots oh, oh, these days these days they produce everything you know car making yeah. robots or whatever it is it's, it's just how the traditionals you know the stalwart of of the the german industry is uh um taking a step to kind of go yeah we'll work wherever forever uh um as as you see fit so that was um that was my um so what do you think? Yeah. I lost count. I lost count. A lot of things, right? Like the rest of commerce. So if you got a large part of your population moving out to regional areas of the country, not everything is set up there. So is that, you know, people are going to be looking at this as the next big opportunity to say, how do we start delivering uh, services with the kind of convenience that you've been used to in an urban environment out in regional Australia? Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> totally true. Yeah, and and yeah. well, we'll all need five G for that for starters. Um, <laughs> so we, we we've got to jump on that bandwagon as well, right? Um, but it, I mean, it'll become increasingly common. And I think you know the real estate is obviously the interesting you know story out of all of this. There's so much space that just gets released the further this thinking and the longer this thing goes, you know, what is going to happen with all that space? I heard uh, uh, National Australia Bank has closed down 700 and 800 Burke. Right. Uh, wow. 12, 12 to 15,000 people. Wow. That's huge. And I think yeah. I saw vicinity was posting yeah, a billion dollar loss or some crazy number. Um, yeah. Yeah. I look at no uh, apartments down there, and what with shopping centers and business centers. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Uh, 
like, like everything else, you know, there's upside and downside, you know. Uh, I mean, they're, they're reporting, believe it or not, I mean, they're, they're reporting infant, uh, you, you know, newborn uh, medical complications has reduced remarkably in the last little while. You know, you, you know, some of it is obvious, you know, like, apparently there's no flu this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some of these things are obvious, you know, there's no traffic. Well, um, you know, there will be some plus and some minuses, I suspect. So, Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, okay. Uh, Pete, have you got another one for us? Yeah. Or yeah. Beautiful. Let's so go exciting. right in there. It's my heart. In the strike zone. Yeah. Well, we don't, <laughs> we don't actually offer telehealth services as it were. We, we offer the ability for, uh, people to claim and get paid on telehealth. So we, we ran some numbers on this and then we ran uh, some queries against Medicare's data and we looked at April and May. And we, we really wanted to see, was there a shift over to telehealth and remote consultations? And there was, it was pretty big. We, looked, we pulled the most common consultation item codes, those that you could do on telehealth. And it was pretty significant. It was well over a third of those services were being done remotely. And we surveyed some GP practices, only GP, and about 95% of them uh, had responded that they were offering remote consultations in telehealth, which is fantastic. But when we got into the numbers, we found some uh, maybe not too surprising stats. So this is, well, everyone says they offer telehealth. Telehealth is actually where you have video and audio. Otherwise, it's just considered a telephone consult. And so for the months of April and May, Everyone was saying, oh, there's all this telehealth. When we got into the numbers, 96% of it was actually telephone only. Right. And we knew that there was going to be some resistance to video-based conference services, but we didn't realize it was going to be that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's slightly different numbers when we ran it for allied providers, which is like a physio or medical specialist. So if you're talking to like a cardiologist remotely, they had higher adoption of telehealth. But it really surprised us how yeah. slow the take-up was on video-based services, given that we've all, well, I, I personally believe that it's much better to have a full video and audio set. And when yeah. we talk to providers, they're saying there's three main reasons. NBA. So first, well, that actually, that was the second one, is that they said that their <laughs> network connections were slow and unreliable. So that was the second reason that they could. The, the first one. How was, would that be different to like us? I mean, you know, everyone else who's had to work from home. Why would that maybe, be any different? Know, maybe because they, they have the router sitting in the back of the house. <laughs> <laughs> in the front, dropping out. Yeah. So slow, unreliable internet. That was the second reason. Uh, the first one that they said is there's just tech issues. Like audio doesn't work, video doesn't work. Demetrius knows something about that. And uh, but but the number one reason that they said is that phone just works. They pick it up and it works for everyone. And although it's much lower fidelity, it's a simpler thing. And so what we're seeing is that simpler is just winning even this experience that works for everyone that's what works and that's um I, we, we're a bit surprised on those numbers uh, i think that's yeah um, i would have been surprised too if you if you asked me i would have kind of gone you know like okay maybe some of the older demographic 
you know, find it difficult to negotiate the technology. I, I get some of that, but yeah, uh, I I completely agree. Yeah, you, you, you had a drop out there from Nathan. Yeah, <laughs> so, which is not good. At the end, excellent first-hand insight on the second reason. <laughs> yeah, the second reason. That's right. Yeah, they stopped. They stopped. It. They downgraded the speed from your house immediately. Yeah, so we'll be um, like we'll be watching these numbers, but um, I, I think it, it's going to be. We've got a ways to go on telehealth and remote medicine delivery. Is um, is my takeout from the whole thing? No, that's very good. And we did drop the stream um, just almost on cue, wasn't it? Like in line yeah. with the conversation around shoddy internet yeah. connections, NBN. Uh, so apologies to those that were uh, watching live that uh, the stream did drop out just as Pete mentioned the number two issue with um, uh, with the, the uh, telehealth um, is that dodgy internet connection. So there we go. Um, brilliant. Okay. Wow. That's a really, really interesting stat. And you think doctors would be a little bit more savvy or like have a go at it? And I've got in my mind that there's a GP... Um, when they're fitting out with their dodgy routers and their printers and um, mm. there's like a, a dodgy IT guy that they all ring, right? And he comes <laughs> with like the cheapest, nastiest router because he's and then he's selling it to the doctors for $17,000. I'm, I'm seeing a raw. I reckon uh, it's... A... I, I think it's pretty simple things. Like they leave it on, you know, there's... 2.4 G and 5 G and they probably mm. just configure the 2.4 G and there's all these other neighbors around and contention on it. So you get the <laughs> dropouts and they're like, Oh, bloody, bloody thing doesn't work. Uh, uh, well, are we, um, okay. Uh, number. So the words of the last one, I've got a good, a feel good one for, for the last one, unless you, you've got a, uh, one din, I'll, I'll cut you off there. No, no, I, I will, I'll just leave us with a word. Okay. All right. for the, and we'll cover that at the next episode. Globotics. Globotics. Okay. I'll, say okay. nothing, I'll say nothing more. Globotics. All right. And it will be... Glow, like glowing or... Glow, as in global. Globotics. Globotics. Well, we might do 11 because uh, now we have to know. You. We'll cover right. it next week. Okay, next week. Your, uh, feel good uh, one. Okay. Well, look, I, I really like this one. There's a, a an organization, xprize.org, uh, and it's a foundation that's been around for a while, and they offer really large sums of money to solve the world's biggest challenges. And they target like the 15 to 24 well, this particular challenge. And so, and the, the, it's a crowdsourcing type problem. So they've offered a million bucks to the 15 to 24 um, age bracket for someone to design a better face mask. So one that is readily accessible, affordable, functional, and has the filtration efficacy of a surgical um, mask. And doesn't fog your glasses. And doesn't fog your glasses. Uh, and the winner gets a million bucks. Now, I saw that. What a great way to solve that problem. And that will get all sorts of ideas. And you, that just, again, you know, focuses the mind in the right way. Anyone can register a team. Million bucks. Let's come up with a better mask than, than these things. 
for everyone to use, completely affordable. I thought that was cool. The only problem was that uh, the competition runs until February 2021. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, that's a long runway. <laughs> <laughs> They're here to stay. They're here to stay for some time. I, I mean, uh, you know, you, you predicted the peak on the 20th of uh, yeah, of July. Missed it. <laughs> missed it by a couple of days if the data stays. I have my doubts. Uh, I have my doubts about that. It's the 24th and uh, we're still in the 300s. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, uh, the, uh, the 300 Spartans. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Any closing thoughts from you, Pete? It's been wonderful to have you on. No, it's been terrific. Uh, maybe we can queue up a thing on microgreens and urban farming as another uh, topic and see what's Ooh. going on there. Oh yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah. Awesome to get Geert on here. We 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 have a we have a promised an episode on 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 fresh produce. We promised. We did, didn't we? We we, we um, were going to do a special ten things we're on do fresh a special produce. Special episode on fresh produce. So we will. All right. Uh, so we all three of us are, are, are quite passionate about that. So we'll, uh, we'll circle back with that. Thank you very much again, uh, Pete, uh, for uh, being part of uh, the show today. Uh, thanks for hosting me. Thanks, Pete. Uh, everyone, again, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Visit 10thingsfriday.com. We'll put all the show notes, all the links that we've talked about here today. Uh, have a fabulous weekend and we shall see you next Friday.